Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 109 of Impact Boom. My name is Michael Prey. I'm the founder of Botoni and a contributing editor here at Impact Boom. I'm passionate about utilizing design to create social impact. Today we're speaking with Ben Gleisner. Ben is an economist, environmentalist, and social entrepreneur. He has founded several businesses and charities and worked for six years at the New Zealand Treasury, where he led the development of the Living Standards Framework. He co-founded Conscious Consumers while working at the New Zealand Treasury and has grown the social enterprise to a thriving New Zealand movement with over 20,000 consumer members and 500 business customers. His vision is a world where consumers and businesses work together for the good of people and the planet. Ben has recently moved to London with his wife and two children to launch the platform under a new brand in the UK in September. On today's podcast, we'll discuss Ben's journey founding Conscious Consumers in New Zealand, which has recently expanded to the UK. We'll get Ben's valuable advice about overcoming challenges and insights into the social enterprise sector around the world. We'll also hear Ben's tips for social entrepreneurs. Ben, thank you very much for joining us. To start things off, Ben, could you please share a bit about your background and what led you down the path of social enterprise? Before Treasury, I thought I wanted to be a doctor and you know, my dad's a doctor, so I was like, oh, let's go and do medicine. But I quite quickly realized that, yeah, I wanted something a bit more practical and not so sort of determined about my next sort of 20 years of life. So I bought a small cafe and started to run my own business and really liked the idea of sort of having some control over you know, how that business ran and I suppose tried to do things good around fair trade or you know, using you know, good packaging and things. And I guess at that point, um, set up a music festival that was all around promoting sustainability, zero waste, sort of trying to get people to think around sort of environmental and social impact. So that's like 20 years ago now. Yeah, that was a lot of fun um, running my own sort of businesses, but I didn't feel like I was having as much impact as I wanted. So then I was like, let's go back to university. Let's go and do a master's in the end economics and environmental studies and end up at Treasury. And I thought that was probably a good place to try and create impact in the world. But again, I think I felt that stuff wasn't happening fast enough. And you know, I did a lot of interesting work at Treasury, but it was at that time when uh, myself and my co-founder, Melissa, um, decided to set up a charity and sort of launch Conscious Consumers in New Zealand in 2010. And um, yeah, I guess I just see Conscious sort of Social Enterprise as an amazing vehicle We definitely do here at Impact Boom as well. So can you tell us a bit more about Conscious Consumers? What's the organization's purpose and where do you see it in five years' time? I mean, we're a technology platform that connects consumers with businesses for the good of people and the planet. So it's funny thinking about economics. 
consumers care about issues around social and environmental good, but they often can't find businesses that do things that they care about. Um, so there's a lot of transaction costs and a lot of time basically spent trying to find it, whether or not this business really is doing things that they say. And the same with the businesses. They're actually looking to do a lot of improvements around what they do, but they're not really get understanding and getting signals around what specifically consumers are saying they, they care about. So the first thing our platform really does is it gives consumers sort of, we, we collect data on consumers' values. So whether you care about climate change or paying better workers or supporting workers into work who are disadvantaged, whatever the issues that you care about, we gather that data and then we help you find businesses that align with those values. So we say, look, hey, here's a local place down the road that's you know paying a living wage. We know you care about living wage. So helping you out might find that local cafe. Um, but we also link your debit and credit cards to your profile so that every time you use those cards, you essentially send a message to businesses about what matters to you. And collectively, that message is changing hundreds of businesses' behaviors in New Zealand today. So we're actually using our collective purchasing power to sort of change the world. So I understand that with the platform, the businesses who will have goods purchased will get the data. Yep. Will that data go to the other businesses on the platform that actually aren't part of that purchase? In short, the answer is yes. It's all anonymous, obviously. So I'll give you a sort of an example. One of our businesses in Wellington is a local bar. They were like, they jump on the platform and they get data on two things. They get to see what their customers are saying they care about. So say $10,000 was spent last month by consumers in your business uh, and the top issue they cared about was paying for workers a better wage. So that was a bit of data that that bar got. But the bar also gets to look and see what are the trends around their sort of local area. So in other words, what are the consumers, not just their own consumers, but what the consumers say in Wellington Central District, what do those people say they care about? And actually workers' rate is pretty high as well. So what that bar did was then go, well, I better start thinking about what my customers care about and what potential customers care about, so I'm going to go and start paying a living wage. So the platform that like drives that business behavior change, so a business can be like, wow, that's something that actually now not only is something I've heard matters to my customers, that business then gets to see the behavioral change that actually is starting to see more people spending money that were spending money already, and they get to see new customers that haven't been in their stores come in. So we're able to prove, I suppose, that there's a return on investment for businesses that are looking to make changes around social and environmental good. Yeah, fantastic. So uh, having spent considerable time in New Zealand, what is it you think that makes the New Zealand social enterprise movement unique? Yeah, I mean, we've been uh, yeah, doing this thing sort of for, I guess, yeah, 10 years. We didn't, or nine years, didn't call ourselves a, conscious, uh, sorry, a, a social enterprise back then because I don't know if we knew the name. But um, I don't know, like New Zealand is just a really good place to do business. You know, it rates really, really highly. I mean, having come to England for, uh, for a, you know, a wee while, which I'll talk about shortly, just the speed of doing business, the sort of ability to sort of connect with people really quickly. It's a small little ecosystem, I guess. And so I feel like New Zealand's going to, you know, do well in sort of a, a building up that social enterprise space. 
industry is going to help the, the country as a whole is really pushing forward, trying to lead the world around how we measure progress. Now, social enterprise, in my mind, is a great vehicle to help achieve some of those social and environmental goals. So I think New Zealand's really well placed and in a unique position to help, I suppose, yeah, I guess, show that social enterprise can be a big contributor to the sorts of goals that governments and the like have. That's great. And that leads me on to my, my next question. Since you began Conscious Consumers, what changes have you seen in New Zealand government's relationship with social enterprise? And as well, how can governments do more to facilitate the development of the sector? Yeah, good question. Yeah, I don't know. I was there six years at Treasury. And so at Treasury, the role the Treasury has really is to make sure that the government spends money sort of efficiently. Uh, and that word efficiency is a, a good one because effectively you want to make sure that when you spend money on social outcomes, you know, you're actually measuring that the money you're spending on health or education is actually contributing in a meaningful way to a social and health or an educational outcome. So Treasury is very, very big on sort of making sure the public sector spends money in an accountable way. And I suppose why I think social enterprise should be funded a lot more than it is now is because it is a far, I guess, more a, a model of business where those social and environmental outcomes are baked into the business itself. So businesses are great because they're self-sufficient. So in the end, they can be sustainable off their own financial sort of resources. And so social enterprise, in my mind, is something the government should invest in because, like with us, they invested in us. They gave us money when we were a charity at the beginning. And the, the reason they invested in us is because, rightfully, we were diverting lots of waste from landfills, working with lots of cafes. But the thing about a social enterprise is that you don't need to keep on giving to a social enterprise money from the government. You can actually give money to set up something that then has medium, long-term sustainability in its own financial model. So you're effectively funding, I guess, something that is going to self-sustain and going to deliver outcomes and impact in the long term, which is different from a model of government where you're going to say, here's another bit of money to try and deliver that outcome, and here's a bit more money to deliver that outcome. You can actually, I don't know, I think you can supercharge sort of impact in the world if you fund social enterprise governments. So you recently moved to London uh, with your family to expand conscious consumers into the UK. So since you've been there, what are the biggest differences between the social enterprise sector there compared to New Zealand? Yeah, great question. I'll, I'll probably jump in and say something which, given no one knows it now, or at least only a few people know it now, but by the time we're live on this show, I think it'll be launched already. But yeah, we're coming to London um, after I've had sort of you know, six, seven, eight years of working in New Zealand. And really, the, the reason to come to London was around trying to create, you know, we want to be a global brand. That sort of creates more impact and you know we hope in five ten years the vision for our brand is that it's a new brand that people can look at and say i have got hope yes elon musk is doing his bit UN is trying to help sustainable development goals work and whatever it is but this brand represents hope in the world and so yeah we've chosen a new name so we've chosen a new name called kogo c-o-g-o that basically means connecting good we'll launch that new brand kogo um on the 12th at social enterprise called Grant. So for those of you that were there and listening to this now, hopefully, you know, you heard about it. Um, I'll be on stage there. And yeah, the, the idea with this new platform is to launch into London for six months and then expand across into the UK. Um, and yeah, social enterprise here 
healthcare is definitely a mature, a more mature sector. It's been around for a lot longer than it has in New Zealand. So we'll be showcasing quite a few social enterprises on the platform. So I guess we want to be a place where people can find social enterprises, learn about what the stuff they're doing, and I suppose yeah, help support them and show them that they value social enterprise. Um, but yeah, you just have a lot more, I guess, social enterprises that identify. There's thousands of them. You know, social enterprise UK are one of our key partners here. Um, so yeah, I guess it just feels like a more established and more more recognised name. And government seems to be sort of you know supporting it. Um, yeah, they've obviously got a clearer definition than in New Zealand. So there's a specific thing that you have to meet in terms of criteria to be a social enterprise. So yeah, it feels mature. And um, yeah, I suppose. My mind, government hopefully will you know continue to support it and um, and, and make it something that I guess deserves the recognition. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Changing tack slightly, beginning any uh, new business is challenging, but what are the um, extra tensions and challenges that social entrepreneurs face? And uh, from your experience, how can they navigate through them? Yeah, I mean, social enterprise um, is a bit of a hybrid, I suppose, and that has, in my mind, is many upsides so I'd say the first thing is challenges tensions are definitely there but I personally have found it to be you know having run my own businesses straight businesses having set up charities having worked for government you know I guess social enterprise to me is a a really nice um, combination of some of those aspects it does mean that I, I think there is a little bit of a challenge around sort of which bit of it that you focus like you know especially around things like business models. That's one of the things that I see and have seen for years, sort of mentoring various social enterprises is like a real keen passion and desire around, you know, you know, doing something that's going to create some good in the world. So very much around people jump on that purpose. Um, and that's really good. And that's probably what I would define as a social enterprise to start off with. There's something being set up for a purpose. And, you know, that's, really important so it's really great people do jump on it but the two things I think probably that get missed in some of the challenges I see is one being able to sort of develop an impact framework where your entity can actually attribute impact to your interventions so you know that's what treasury and government is all about around funding things that have what's called an additionality and impact that wouldn't otherwise occur so I think one of the challenges and things that I'd encourage entrepreneurs to be very focused on is, yeah, I guess, an impact model that they clearly can see that their bit of hours work or their product that they're building or their service that they're creating has got a measurable uh, impact. And that is something which um, they can feel like, yeah, it'd be what's called attribution or whatever it is, that they know that they're the one that's created that impact um, from their sort of service or product. So that, that is a challenge and that's hard because there are a lot of other things that go on around the world that like, you know, contribute to certain outcomes. You might be just a bit, a bit of something that, you know, you might help support someone into a job, but, you know, you really need to think through, well, then what does that job then do for that person? How does that person then end up one year, two years, three years down the line? And so I guess I'd think about like, yeah, impact. And um, I'd put a lot of effort into working through yeah, how that um, thing that you're doing does that. And the second part of it probably is around um, your financial model. And I think this probably is the thing that I see many, um, many, many uh, ideas fail on. So making sure that you know how you're going to sustain this idea, you know, medium term in particular, 
definitely being able to make money and stay cash flow positive is very important. So um, you touched on impact in that last question. We know that an important part of a social enterprise is the ability to create impact, but also to accurately measure and communicate that impact. So what are some tips for social entrepreneurs to be able to measure and communicate their impact to consumers? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, it might have been my background in sort of economics and you know, thinking about treasury, thinking about how we sort of fund stuff, making sure we're only funding things like funding initiatives, funding programs that could demonstrate that they were creating some social environmental impact, I guess. So my background was very clearly on like, if we can't measure what we're doing, there's no point doing it. In the end, it's like we don't get up and work our asses off and you know, do all these things that we weren't feeling like we're actually being able to attribute and measure that. So from the very beginning, we're like um, been measuring it. But for us, it's really important, especially as a consumer-facing thing. But whether it's your customers, whether it's your shareholders, whether it's your staff, whoever it is in your social enterprise, you should be thinking about how you're you know, that impact. So let's assume you've measured it. Um, for us, I guess, all our impact is around how we're measuring sort of behavior change in the businesses that are on the platform. So every business from the very beginning, when we first launched, had to provide evidence around their sort of sustainability and ethical practices. So we have to provide evidence um, on that. And we then are able to say, like that case around the bar going living wage is that we're able to sort of attribute some of the drivers for that bar to choose living wage or for businesses to start recycling or composting or whatever it is, hundreds of stores have adopted new practices. So it's that we're able to attribute, in some cases, almost the majority of the reason they went to do that new behavior is because we showed them the customers cared about it, we gave them a sense of feeling recognized on the platform for doing it, we helped find a supplier. So it's the more that you can feel like you're able to attribute the better and then the most important thing is to be able to use that information so say a business decided to go one of them went free range certified for all their chickens that they were using in a, in a restaurant and we were able to then communicate not only that they went free range but because we knew how much from invoices they were using we were able to say things like you know 15,000 animals are now avoiding life in a cage or a thousand households the equivalent have now basically stopped and started recycling or composting from our businesses decided to do that. So in other words, being able to make it meaningful to a consumer or a, an individual in terms of measurable, make it numeric, but also try and translate it to things that are like not so sort of abstract. So yeah, we, we, we've tried and I guess yeah, you can jump on, a, on the website and have a look, but we definitely think it's a really important thing to be able to communicate so our customers, our consumers on the platform are like, cool, I can see the impact I'm helping to contribute. Businesses feel good because they're like, wow, that's me and that's my impact. Funders who invest in us are like, wow, look, I'm contributing to some sort of impact. So it's like, for me, it's really, really important that we, um, as a sector, are able to measure, stand by, and then also communicate that in a really sort of compelling way. Yeah, sure, sure. So what other inspiring organizations or projects have you come across recently that exemplified the balance of planet, people, and profit? I am inspired by like a big supermarket chain deciding that, hey, climate change is an issue that really matters to their customers, and they decided to use electric cars to deliver. Like the big corporates right, inspire me. The 
small little like cafe that's in London here that's basically bringing people off the street to help them train as barristers, help set them up in houses, give them a sort of leg up. Like there are just inspiring stories across the world around businesses that are doing their own little things. You know, like in the end, every business is a business and needs to sustain itself. And we're trying to, I suppose, build an ethic of social entrepreneur thinking in the mainstream. So I have, you know, I'm just continually impressed by hundreds of businesses, you know, that aren't like, sure, they all need to make a profit. And I guess that's the end game is these businesses that we deal with, all of them are self-sufficient. They have to pay the workers, pay the rent, pay the bills, right? But what they're starting on their journey is to realize that they can do that. And at the same time, know bring people off the street move to you know more free-range chickens start thinking about more women on the board of the company and all these things like sometimes come at some cost sometimes come at like no cost sometimes come at some savings but our model is that they in the end will come at some return so those things that you do in your business that are actually doing good for people and the planet that's in my in economics it's an externality it's something that individually not benefit from as a business or a, or a customer but there is a benefit to the world and we think that businesses that do start recognizing their social and environmental good communicating to consumers they will see more consumers come in their door and we want to be the platform that measures that behavioral change and provides us the evidence for a future economy that delivers social and environmental good fantastic so good news for those of us that are doing good So, Ben, to finish off, what are some great books you'd recommend to our listeners? Like I've got like about a 15-minute between nappy changes or whatever it is to actually just grab a snatch of information. So, yeah, I mean, Pet Booth is great. There's a whole lot of inspiring things out there. Yeah, the social enterprise, I mean, there's a whole Pioneer's Post. There's a whole lot of cool platforms out there that I'd encourage people to look into. This one's a good one, Boom, Pioneer's Post. There's things that I get through both social enterprise UK here. Like, I guess there's just things you can look up social enterprise, find some like yeah, blogs and just start subscribing to them and you'll just find these inspiring stories come through the door. And obviously, yeah, jump on, check out kogo.co and you can also hear from us. Good little plug there at the end. Ben, thank you very much for your generous insights and time. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.